Well, good morning. You got those lights right in my eyes. I can't see any of you, but uh, good morning. Good to see you. I hope you look as good as I think you do. Um, uh, I just want to say thanks to Bishop Ed. Uh, what a great friend. I meant it last night when I said it's lovely to watch somebody take an idea and then create this. So, wow, how, what an ex extraordinary journey it's been. There's so many people in the room to give thanks to. Uh, my consecrating bishop, I think, is back at the hotel. Wayne's not here, is he? But I want to wave at him. I think he's recuperating a bit. But Mike and Beth, as you've already met and been so blessed by, uh, and then every one of the bishops, I'm just um, honored that we're here to celebrate this moment with Chris and what I think is going to be just a tremendous direction for not only the Diocese of St. Anthony, but also for the communion at large. Um, when Ed asked me, he said, do you, you, you think you can come preach on Sunday for Chris? I, I really got intimidated, to be frank with you, because uh, I'm a, I'm, listen, I'm a country parson. I pastor in Kansas. Um, and uh, I, I really started thinking, and then they told me Ken Tanner was coming, and I thought, I'm not going. <laughs> just not going. Um, uh, because I find, I'm very humbled every time I sit within conversations with every one of the doctors in the room and uh, just almost feel like, uh, you know, the only reason a goldfish survives is because he has a 10-second memory. And, and <laughs> that's the only way I'm going to make it through today. And, and, and the Lord began to speak to me about what he wanted me to say here. And he said, I want you to just go tell him to give thanks. And I thought, Okay. Uh, just tell him to be, he said, just tell him to be grateful. And uh, I thought, I, I've rolled over that for months. And then I, I finally checked on the lectionary. And I thought, God loves me. <laughs> Matthew 14. So when Paul said, okay, text me, he said, what, what verse do you want? I said, well, I'm in the lectionary. I sounded good. <laughs> and he gave thanks. Say, gave thanks. Look at your neighbor, say, give thanks. Eucharisto, it's the only tattoo I got, literally. Eucharisto, to give thanks. I want you to know he didn't wait till the night before he was betrayed to start giving thanks. He began his life in his human shape by giving thanks. To bless, I got interested as Paul was talking about, to give thanks. That word means to uh, express the good in something, to bless to consecrate, to find joy. It has all of those different nuances in that word as we express this gratitude that he took something and he gave thanks. The bread of life held bread and gave thanks for that which he had created. The invisible creator who had created everything in the world now has become flesh and in the flesh takes that which he created to reveal himself to all of us and gave thanks for the work that he had done. <laughs> if the one that made it can give thanks, maybe the one that receives it should even give thanks to a... I want to stay really middle of the road this morning and not get too excited. Seriously, I'm going to quote Schmemann to sound really smart. In and through Thanksgiving, man acknowledges the true nature of the things he has received. In giving thanks, we acknowledge the real value and that it is more than what we think it is. 
that it's more than what we assume it is. And when we bless and sanctify these things, Shmaiman says, and when we offer them to God in this Eucharistic moment, we receive the totality of what he intended for it to give to us. He gave thanks. We who are called to imitate this God so many times fail to give thanks outside of this moment. And the truth of the matter is, is that this moment should reflect every moment of our lives. This moment should be the apex, the climax of having spent the last week giving thanks for the good, the bad, the ugly, and all that God has set in front of us. In response to the hunger of these people, God gave thanks. He didn't just wait. As I think through it, I have a history that has some roots in Tulsa. Maybe you know, hurt. Never mind. Everybody wants a miracle, right? But nobody wants to give thanks. Everybody wants something to change, but nobody wants to give thanks in advance of that change. Everybody wants to dance on the wrong side of the river with Miriam and not start celebrating before the waters part. But Christ comes and begins to give thanks even before anything is apparent. Hmm. We are called to receive everything as a gift from God and to give thanks prior to experiencing the total reality that is before us. Jesus took the bread and gave thanks, and then there was a miracle of multiplication that took place. And then the crowd was satisfied with the bread. Jesus stood outside the tomb of his friend who had been dead for four days, and he prayed this prayer, Oh, Father, I thank you that you have already heard me. I think I could suggests that it is thanksgiving that transfers death to life. I think I could suggest to you that it is gratitude that unlocks grace, that grace is always present, that there's something always hidden in that which is seen, uh, but it's not really that which is seen that can satisfy. It's the unseen that's contained within the seen that is released when one gives thanks. In other words, it's your attitude that, oh, sorry, it's your attitude that matters. Listen, I have grandchildren that I want to buy more ice cream for. But their attitude sometimes stops them from experiencing the abundance of my love. <laughs> Little snots. And... and <sighs> And I wonder sometimes how many times we've missed the reality of the God that's in because we failed to give thanks for something that was not necessarily becoming to our eyes. Christ reveals to us throughout his three and a half years this reality of finding ways of giving thanks in every situation, every moment, I get stunned at those moments when you, do you remember when he said, if the miracles that had been done in your city had been done in Sodom, they would still be here. Even when no one was hearing him, even when no one was hearing him, he gave thanks that God had hidden it from the wise and the prudent. 
it is not missed on me that many people miss the message of the mystery of the Eucharist because it is hidden from those who think they're wise and prudent. It is revealed to those who humbly realize that God uses mysteries that are beyond explanation and that we must find ways of giving thanks even in those moments when there doesn't look to be anything to be thankful for. Would it surprise you again that I would quote Schmemann and say, we got to live to eat. We've got to eat to live. And that somehow we have to receive this stuff of creation and transform it into our lives in order to maintain this thing called life. I don't actually, truly think that my thanksgiving makes it. I think it actually just opens my own eyes to receive that which was already there. I don't really think he moves it from profanity to perfection or from secular to sacred. I think it was sacred all the while. It is me that somehow is changed as I see it as a gift and not as something to just merely satisfy my hunger. In fact, if we see the things of this world just as a means to satisfy our own hunger and thirst, I think we and our consumption even destroy the reality that is there. But when we as people begin to give thanks and realize there's something more here than what we are originally, I, I am of the opinion, and again, I'll let some of you scholars correct me, I'm under the opinion that the basis behind the fall was the ingratitude of man. That the satanic principle of an ingrate moved inside the heart of Adam and Eve, inside of you and I, and when we stopped being grateful for that which God blessed and gave to us and reached for something he had not blessed, then we ourselves move outside and are separated because we are called to receive from God everything and not to reach for God without him having given it to us. They were neither thankful in their knowledge of God, and so he gave them up. I think ingratitude is the basis of all separation. It's the basis of all broken relationships. It's the basis of all sin, in my opinion. I think it is Alexander, again, that says to live non-Eucharistically in a non-Eucharistic world is the basis of all sin. And I would suggest that we ourselves are called to learn how to be grateful. Paul said, I have learned how to be content, whether abased or abound. Have you noticed that you have to practice being grateful? That it's not something that when you confess Christ as Lord, you walked into the church or what, that, that, that I don't know, but at 65, I'm still trying to learn how to be grateful when it's hot. <laughs> and when, you know, to learn how to be grateful in all things, Schweitzer says that the greatest thing is to give thanks for everything and that he who has learned this knows what it means to live and he has penetrated the entire mystery of the gospel to learn gratitude, to learn how to be thankful, 
to give thanks in every circumstance, Paul says, to recognize the sacredness of everyone, even if you don't agree with them, to recognize the the sacredness of every human being and of every moment in life and to refuse to be separated from another of God's creation because you don't see things the way they see things. Colossians is always saying, always be thankful, abound in thanksgiving, and everything you do, be thankful to God. When you sit down to eat, yes, be thankful. And when you are hungry, be thankful. And when you rise up and when you lay down, and when you're paying the bills, and when you're changing the diaper, and when you're... To be thankful in every moment of our life, even when the wrong person's in office or the right person's in office or when... But be thankful for God's sake. In fact, the only way to find joy, I would suggest, is to begin by being grateful. Now, if again, you wait till this morning to recover that, I think you'll miss this morning. Chuck Colson said that gratitude will change the way you start the day, the way you see the day, the way you end the day. I think this is something that we have to practice. I, I'm a practitioner. I, I, I have to go out and put, it's not theory to me, to walk into the room of a dying child and to be grateful, to find gratitude in suffering, I mean, the night before he's betrayed, hours before they would nail him to the cross, he's grateful to be grateful for the ugly things of life and to watch God change them. Daniel prayed three times a day with thanksgiving. This child taken captive, forced into labor, finds a way to pray with thanksgiving in the midst of his captivity. Why? How? How did he learn that? I think part of it was he was reminded of the faithfulness of God even in the midst of the captivity, even in the midst of the suffering, even in the midst of a world gone mad. He had a promise from God that God's faithfulness would work not only in the past but in the future. And we must never forget that we not only look over our shoulder and are thankful for what he has done, but we anticipate the work that he has yet to do in our future. And as we last night celebrated what has been done, we are anticipating what is yet to be done, and we are grateful for both. One act of thanksgiving when things go wrong with us is worth a thousand thanks when things are agreeable. John of Elbala. Hmm. So to put it into practice, one of them came back. One. I've been pastoring for nearly 40 years. The same group of people. You didn't get it. The average length of stay for a pastor is three and a half years. I've been sentenced to 40. <laughs> You're gonna send this home? They know I feel this way. I'm serious, one of them returned. If you're waiting for someone to come back and be thankful to you before you're thankful, your wait will be 
long. One of them returned, and you know the story, one out of ten lepers returned to say, thank you. And, and the same Christ that said, thank you, goes, your faith has made you well. And that word there is salvation, right? Sozo, it's it made you, it's, it, your salvation is released in your thanksgiving. The rest of them were cured, but you have been made whole. You're experiencing the fullness of what it means to be in a salvitic restoration relationship with me because you're thankful. One of them. Don't look to your left or your right, but whisper under your breath, I'm that one. I, I want to be that one. I want to be the one that stops and pauses and says, thank you for this breath. If you get nothing else today but breath, you ought to be grateful. In fact, if you don't get breath, <laughs> to breathe deeply every morning the breath of that first dawn and say your prayers. And think of your piety. No, just think of the fact of how grateful you are that you woke up. To live in gratitude of every moment is where we find the reality of heaven. I think the biggest change in my life has been that I'm not trying to get there. But that I'm experiencing heaven. And that heaven is only experienced in my reality of being grateful for all that is around me. And watching it be transformed in the midst of that moment of gratitude. Hmm. On the night before they would drive nails into his hand, he repeated it. He took it. <laughs> He gave thanks, and he gave it away. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is not something I merely mouth, but it's thankful for his grace. And to be thankful for his grace is to give it away. It's not just to say thank you, but it's now to give the same grace to others that I myself if we are stuck here, we've missed the point. But this morning as we come together to give thanks for all of it, we have to go out those doors and take that grace to the world. And the fulfillment of thanksgiving is that we're willing to die to the life we've thought and step into the life that truly is. And that's only done by giving up one's life. Shemaiman again says, a true Christian is one who gives his life for others. And so as we take and bless it, we are participating. And I, I, I think I agree with Bergerman. It scares the hell out of me to think that I'm participating with God. To think that he's my partner, my co-laborer. That scare, it's too it's too big to comprehend, and yet is exactly what we celebrate today. He took it, he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it away, and you and I stand today with the opportunity
of receiving every moment of life as a gift from God. I've looked and looked and looked at this text over the last three or four days, and and I'm a Pentecostal by nature. I'm supposed to have a dramatic close. <laughs> Thanksgiving, according to my friend Henry Nowen, is the most fruitful way of developing the consciousness of who you are. For me, living in thanksgiving has been this wonderful discovery of myself. While the world chases after who they are, I have discovered that in the quiet solitude of giving thanks for everything, I have discovered me. And I can be thankful for me. So my big close is that as you become conscious of who you are, and again, now, you are God's divine choice. Tonight, we will celebrate another one of those divine choices that God has chosen, Dr. Green. But I look at you this morning and say, God's chosen every one of you. He's chosen every one of you to reveal a piece and a part of who he is. And I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for your diversity. I'm thankful for your uniquenesses. I'm thankful for your weaknesses. I'm thankful that God has chosen you to reveal himself. I hope you are too. It is my profound privilege to call you my friends. It is my profound privilege to serve with you as we, through our thanksgiving, transform simple things into the very love of God. I do truly believe that if we live Eucharistically, we can change the world. Amen.